please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Good morning, everybody. I'm your host, Doug King. Uh, Jesse wanted to be here this week, but I actually kind of told her she couldn't come because <laughs> um, we were trying to get the Atlanta Police Department to send a representative or uh, give us a press statement or even just return our calls um, up until we'd had our last minutes of being able to get this on the air. And with her school schedule, if I gave Atlanta PD as much time as I possibly could, she wouldn't be able to be here. So instead, I'm here by myself with with the hope uh, or that I had hoped that APD would respond to us in some way, but they have not. Now, the reason, and we've got a lot to talk about this week, folks. I mean, we've got mandatory evacuation orders. We've got a state of emergency. The governor is calling on all of us to pray because that's about all that we can do. And the police have abandoned large portions of Georgia in the face of, of Hurricane Matthew. But I, I want to get to that in just a minute because what I started out this week uh, was a crusade when I heard the Atlanta police chief uh, implore Atlanta citizens and people visiting Atlanta to just leave their guns at home. And this frustrates me on, on so many levels because there's an attitude that, you know, some animals are more equal than others. And the, what, what caused this to come out is a plethora of guns being stolen in the Atlanta area. And what's happening is people are leaving guns in cars. Cars are being broken into and guns are being stolen out of them. And the rate of guns being stolen out of cars in Georgia is significantly higher than in other major metropolitan areas and other states around the country. And so the question is, why do we have more guns being stolen in Georgia and in Atlanta than in other areas? Now, the police chief was on NPR where our own, you know, on, on this station, our own illustrious co-workers we used, to, used to hang out and fortunately saw the light. But um, looking, looking at what the police chief was advocating for, <coughs> he believes that people should not have, be leaving their guns in cars. Okay, I don't think guns should be left in cars either. So this raises a bigger issue. Why are people leaving guns in cars? And Atlanta wants to solve the problem by ending state preemption and letting the city of Atlanta pass all these ordinances that make it illegal to have guns and illegal to, to defend yourself and illegal to do everything that's, that's sensible. And I feel comfortable putting words in their mouth since they just wouldn't return my call or my voicemail or any of the contact that I made with their media relations department trying to get somebody to come on and defend their positions. If they don't want to defend it, then you're open game. I'm sorry. That's your own fault. So here we are with a police chief who says, leave your guns at home when, and, and, and there, there was a, a quote and I, I'm going to paraphrase and I may get it wrong, so you guys got to forgive me on this one. But he said something to the effect that city of Atlanta police officers are not allowed to leave guns in cars unless they're in a lockbox. Okay. Now, let's let's think about this for just a minute. I, in my car, my glove compartment locks. 
right? You can stick a key in and turn it, and it locks, and then it's a locked box. If that's all that he's talking about, wow, okay, well, then that's really not much of a of a deterrent for a thief anyway, because he can pop open a glove box in a matter of seconds. In the trunk of my car, I have a full locking device for an AR-15. It is the exact same rifle locking device that you find in most police cars. Now, if that's what he's talking about, that's really cool, but it's not very practical for most people. And a lot of people don't want to drop three, four, five hundred dollars on a locking system for their car when they shouldn't have to leave their gun in their car anyway. And this is where the crux of the issue comes in. And I'm going to try not to spend the entire show on berating the Atlanta Police Department for not being here today. But uh, uh, the, the problem is that we have so many places that are off-limits or quasi-off-limits that people feel compelled to leave their guns in their car. And I think that that sends a bad message. If an Atlanta police officer is not allowed to leave his gun in his car, if he's expected to carry it in, then he we should be expected to carry it in too. Now, there are places where even APD officers cannot bring their guns in. So then, are they to leave their guns in the car? Well, apparently not. So what happens in those places where a place where a police officer can't bring his gun in? Well, the one that jumps to my mind first and foremost, because, you know, I'm an attorney, is the courthouse, right? Cops can't take their guns in the courthouse. Only sheriff's deputies who are on duty for courthouse security can take their guns into the courthouse. Good. All right. So we got this all cleared up. So what do police officers do when they're like us? They're not allowed to leave it in the car. Well, the courthouse gives them a lockbox inside the courthouse that they sign into and leave their gun in the lockbox. And there's a whole, they're, they're like post office boxes. There's a whole wall of them in one place where cops can put their guns when they go into a courthouse. And every courthouse does this. I, I've been in every courthouse in the state almost, and everyone I've been in has had the police lockbox for their firearms. But we're not allowed to use that. And when we go to a, a Target or a restaurant that says no firearms, they're not required to provide a lockbox for a firearm. And I think that this is just ridiculous. I think that if you can can ban a, a person who has a valid carry license, if you can ban somebody who is legally allowed to carry a firearm from carrying into your establishment, then you should have to provide safe storage so that they're not left in the car. The people whose fault this is that, that guns are in cars instead of being safe on somebody's person are the the business owners and government entities that keep trying to prohibit us from carrying. And and I think back to when we reached out to Tim Lee, who's running for re-election in Cobb County, who desperately deserves not to be re-elected in Cobb County because he put tried to put up um, metal detectors over his city council meeting or county council meetings, county commission meetings, because he didn't want people being allowed to carry the guns into the commission meetings. You know, and, and I said at the time, if you're that afraid of your citizens, what are you doing wrong? Why are you afraid of your citizens? And, and you know, I know government should be afraid of their people, but uh, good night. You, you, sh you should not be doing anything where you that the people are so angry that they're willing to, to commit murder over it. I mean, if you're doing that as county commissioner, you got, you got, you're just wrong, man. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. That, that no one's anger should be so riled up that they're willing to kill you over what you're doing in the county commission. 
And I know that there are some things that, that just rankle and, and have to be done, like eminent domain seizures. I mean, they're, they're, nobody wants an eminent domain seizure to happen to them, but everybody wants the telephone to go through or the railroad to go through or the road to be completed. And so sometimes that just happens. And, you know, we, we make sure that they get paid and, and it's not fair, but it's equitable. Well, you know, maybe, and maybe you might have a nutcase once in a while who makes absolutely no sense and wants to kill the county commissioner just so he can make a name for himself, like there are people who want to kill the president. But that that's no, I mean, oh, it's so frustrating. I mean, it is so frustrating to see that you, oh, you want the best example of this, the very best example I can give you. A few years ago, I had to go get some old records out of the city of Atlanta, right? We, we were doing an expungement, um, and no, it was a pardon. We were applying for a pardon, and we were trying to get copies of, because you have to submit copies of every single arrest and conviction and null pros, and so the guy had some tickets in in city of Atlanta, and I went down, and they sent me to Fulton County Records, so I go to the Fulton County Records Building. Now, these people are not out there arresting anybody. These people are not going door-to-door serving warrants. These people don't have violent prisoners inside their building. It's records. This is where you go to get records, right? This is where you go to get copies of things that are so old they don't keep them on site anymore. So what would you kind of expect this building to look like, right? I mean, it should be maybe a warehouse or an office building. It, it should have a, a fake FICA up front and somebody who's going to take your information and give you a records request form, and in six to nine months you get your paperwork. I mean, it should be no big deal, right? Well, instead, you they've got armed security guards, they've got metal detectors, and you have to take all your stuff off and send it through the conveyor belt, and then you get up to the window, and there's like three inches of bulletproof glass behind solid concrete walls. And you think, what on earth are these people afraid of? Well, apparently the city of Atlanta just has a problem with relations with their citizens. And I think that this is something that is deep-seated and, and running through. And they're not willing to come on the radio show. They're not willing to talk about what's going on. They're, they're, I mean, when we finally do have the kind of riots that they're, they had in North Carolina and in Baltimore and in Ferguson, when those come here, it's going to be the fault of the people in power. And the people in power... In Atlanta are African Americans. They are people who are educated. They're people who are from here. They're people who should know better, but they're going to fall flat on their faces because they fall into the same trap that's happening in Ferguson and Baltimore and North Carolina and every other place that we are ending up with riots that are happening. They're, they're falling into the trap that they're the government and they know what's best for you. And because they're the government, they can do what they want, and they they can they can put up all these walls to protect themselves, and then they can act with impunity. And that's ridiculous, right? We need, we have the ability to carry our own firearms, and if you say that we can't go carry one into this building, we're not going to be going unarmed all day because you are afraid of us. We we will obey the the law. We will leave the firearm outside of the building. But I'm telling you that it's not reckless conduct to leave a firearm in a car when you're ordered not to take it into a building. And we have an absolute right to defend ourselves. And the people who think otherwise are, are just delusional. Um, folks, we're at a commercial break, and I will be right back. 
now back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour. I am your host, Doug King. Um, Jesse is not here this week because of her school schedule and from our attempt to give the city of Atlanta more time to make our, our deadline to be on this episode, which they did never returned our calls and, and never responded to our requests for, for either a statement or for an interview. So hooray for APD, um, dropping the ball yet again. So when I took the break, I was talking, talking about how when we have riots in Atlanta, it's going to be because the government thinks it knows better than you what to do. And unfortunately, this weekend, we have a whole bunch of refugees flooding into the city from Hurricane Matthew. And this is a a, a big storm, and it is causing a lot of havoc. Uh, the reports that I saw coming in late Friday were not as impressive as we were led to believe. Now, I know the storm surge will be hitting up into the Carolinas tonight, and there's going to be a lot of issues there, and there's a possibility of a lot of damage. But from what I heard out of Melbourne was that yesterday, as the eye passed by, they were getting 55-mile-an-hour winds. Well, folks, I mean, I've I've been in Alaska in 80- and 90-mile-an-hour winds. In fact... I tried a case once in Naknek, and I got hit, pinned down by a blizzard that was blowing uh, sustained winds at 80 miles an hour. And we couldn't take off because the winds were too high, and I ended up being stuck in Naknek for an extra two days with nothing to do. And there is nothing to do in Naknek whatsoever. But So I'm stuck there, and finally I'm, I'm waiting at the airport with my bag. I'm just waiting there day in, day out, hoping that we will make a break for it as soon as the wind dies down and and we we my pilot was flying a Cessna caravan a little tiny six seater airplane and the winds broke they got down to 60 miles an hour and the moment they hit 60 we jumped on the plane and he throttled up we took off into the storm I flew through that 80 90 mile an hour gust storm watching the the plane get buckled I I felt uh, zero G a couple of times in the plane. And then we landed in Dillingham about an hour and a half later, uh, relatively unscathed, a few bumps and bruises, but uh, plane in one piece. And I went home. So, you know, I guess 55 mile an hour winds, you know, it, it yeah, there's damage there and there's a lot of water, but uh, I'm sorry, that's just not that exciting to me. When you start to get up to 140 mile an hour winds, now we're talking. I mean, that's I've I've I went and leaned into a hundred mile an hour wind. I didn't fly in it, but I leaned into a hundred mile an hour wind and felt it hold my body up. That was kind of cool. Um, so yeah, sure, you know, that's when we start to get to interesting. But I, I don't think that the storm was as dramatic as uh, originally forecast. And the other interesting thing is you look at the four tracks of where it was going to go, and originally the thing looked like a, the giant spaghetti monster because the forecasters could not predict with any certainty just 15 hours ahead where the storm was going to turn, and yet they're telling us what climate change is going to do 50 years in the future when we're all dead and gone. You know, I just, I'm sorry, there was no consensus of scientists that were able to come up with where the storm was heading. How can they predict climate change on top of that so 
Anyway, um, the storm is, is causing refugees to come flooding into Atlanta. One thing that I saw that was kind of interesting is, uh, and I didn't have time to fact check it because we've had a very busy week, especially in my law practice this week, but there was a story out of Florida that may or may not have been true about Florida suspending the necessity of having a concealed carry license during a st- declared state of emergency. I think that that's a brilliant law. I think that that may be something that we need to do here in Georgia because when there's a declared state of emergency, that's the time everybody needs to be carrying to defend themselves and make sure that they're safe. Um, the overreach of government throughout this storm is, is daunting and terrifying. I, you know, they, they say we're here to help and we're going to send in resources and that's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm happy that the government is sending in resources. There'd be resources sent no matter what. I mean, private industry. You don't need the government to do it for you. Shoot, the Budweiser plant in Cartersville has shut down production and is bottling drinking water for everybody on the coast and sending it off in in truckloads so that people have fresh, clean drinking water. Way better than what they normally package. So, you know, there we go. Private industry stepping up to do what the government just don't want to do, right? So... There's there's always a, a solution, and people reach out in times like this and, and support each other. Tonight in Dawsonville, um, uh, something I think it was the First Life Church or something like that, you should take a, a moment to Google. There was a choir from Haiti that was here traveling, and their bus broke down in Valdosta, and their flight to Haiti because of the hurricane was canceled, and a pastor up in Dawsonville has taken this whole team of, of stranded teenagers into his church, opened up the Family Life Center, it's a, an evacuation point, and has them staying there, and tonight they're going to perform a concert in appreciation for what the church has done for them, and taking them in and making sure they're safe. And I would urge everybody in North Atlanta, in Forsyth County, Dawsonville, Dahlonega, up and down 400 corridor to to take a moment and google this story find out exactly which church it is i wish i had some staff here today to be able to give you better instructions but that would be a great thing to take your kids to to go see i mean i think that that the outpouring of support and love that was done for these stranded people as their homes were destroyed you know there's over 300 people dead and the numbers climbing in haiti haiti took a, a horrible brunt of this storm and haiti has had just a calamity after a calamity after a calamity. The earthquake that, that devastated the country, the, the poor sanitation that led to a tuberculosis and AIDS epidemic in the country. It's really a, a horrible, horrible circumstances for the people of that poor nation. And it's one of the poorest nations in the Western Hemisphere, due largely in part because of the isolationist principles, because Haiti was founded by slaves that revolted. And England and France, France still claimed it as a colony up into the mid-1800s. England and France and America wouldn't really do business with Haiti, and, and it was isolated and, and never got the footing it needed to really take off. And it, it is a sad commentary. You want to talk about slavery and slave issues. America's got nothing on Haiti. So if you are in any way industrious, you should take a moment to read up on the Haitian Revolution that happened just a little bit after ours and a little bit after the French Revolution. And it is a remarkable story of human triumph and tragedy. And thinking what goes on in that poor nation is, is just heartbreaking. And I think that we all need to be reminded of that sometimes, that while we live in this 
this country where the government can do anything for us, that there are some places where people are are having to rely on themselves and just eke out a living day to day, and we need to be most appreciative of of what freedoms we have and what freedoms have been taken away. So, um, anyway, yeah, uh, Dawsonville, there's going to be a concert tonight at, from this these Haitian refugees, but here in Atlanta. I mean, every hotel is filled up. They're busing people in. Um, the freeways have been closed. Tybee Island's flooded. Uh, I-16 has been turned one way. Uh, I had a great discussion about that with my kids, about I-16 turning into a one-way street. It's really a, an impressive undertaking of what's gone to evacuate 2 million people from the coast in the, the face of this storm. You know, I, I used to live in Florida and I, I enjoy uh, visiting the Kennedy Space Center, and the Kennedy Space Center is being blasted. It, it, it was hit hard, and there the the high winds and water. You know, those launch pads are only what like two hundred yards off the beach, so they are all being pummeled and the debris, and probably flying alligators at at noon yesterday. So. It's it's really a, an interesting thing to watch how the government reacts to this, right? I mean, we declare states of emergency. There was a time just a couple of years ago where a state of emergency meant that the government could come and take your guns. And, you know, the, I think that that's just one of the most awful things I've ever heard in my life, that when the government decides, oh, you don't have any civil rights anymore. Yeah, it's 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 too big of a deal. You don't get any civil rights. Why do we declare a state of emergency? Well, you shoot, it snows. Yeah, if it snows, you can't have your civil rights anymore. If there's anything going on in in the weather or if there's any kind of a disaster or even a, a, a civil disturbance, you know, poof. <coughs> Suddenly you are out of, of the way when it comes to your civil rights and being able to protect yourself. And it's kind of like a backdoor return to the public gathering law. If if you're anywhere we don't like you to be, then you don't get to have civil rights. And if, if anything's happening in your life or in the community at large, then you don't get any civil rights. Of course not. I mean, why why would you want that? You've got us here to protect you, right? That's the, the underlying message is that you've got us here to protect you. You don't need a gun. You can leave your gun at home. You don't need to take your gun with you into Atlanta because the police are here to protect you. Well, the problem with that is what we're seeing happening right now in all of the coastal areas. And the, the underlying message behind the mandatory evacuation, why do I need to leave? Why do I need to leave from Savannah or Brunswick or, or any of these coastal cities when the government's here to protect me? Well, the moment the, the going gets rough, guess what happens? We take a commercial break. That's right. So we'll be back in just a moment. And now back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So before the break, I was saying, you know, the... Why do we need to evacuate? Why do we need to leave when the government's here to protect us? And what's the first thing that the government said when they were started to issue the mandatory evacuation orders? They said, well, as soon as the storm hits, you're not going to have any government services anymore. <laughs> Think about that. The police aren't going to come. The fire and ambulance aren't going to come. You're on your own. So you need to come and live in the Superdome where we tell you to live if you want to have our protection because we're not going to protect you there. 
Okay, well, you know what? I don't want your protection. That's fine. You go, and I'll stay, and I'll be happy, because I was able to... I bought a generator. I've got my, my windows boarded up. I've got a house that can withstand the punishment of a Category 5, and I'm not worried. You go have fun, and I'll be right happy right here. So what's the answer to that? Oh, well, mandatory evacuation means that we can arrest you and criminally prosecute you if you stay. Now, Governor Deal said that in his graciousness, in, in his... his ever-loving benevolency that he's not going to prosecute people who stay behind in contradiction of his mandatory evacuation order. He just wishes that they would go where they would be safe under the government's protective wing and nuzzle into the safe nest. I mean, this is just ridiculousness, right? If you want to stay in harm's way, it's no one's business to tell you you can or can't. It's not not criminal for you to to endanger nobody but yourself and in light of the fact that you're not even you can't even make the argument that you're endangering emergency personnel because they've said they're not coming you call all you want they're not coming so why why force people to evacuate i mean i would have been gone a week ago in fact this is why i don't live on a coast i mean i lived on a coast in alaska but we didn't have this sort of stuff well, actually, we probably had worse, but it didn't, didn't matter because up there, people just took care of themselves, and it wasn't a big deal. I mean, I saw a plate glass window bow to the point I thought it was going to shatter from the wind pressure, but, you know, whatever. We <laughs> This is this is just a different way of living here than, than there, and I get it, and I'm not going to go where there's going to be a mandatory evacuation. I remember talking to a police officer in the county that I live in, who said that if there was a, a mandatory evacuation that they would go door to door and make people leave? I'm like, no, <laughs> not happening. I'm not leaving. And then they say if if you were away and they declared it that they won't let you back in. They're they're saying that the people who are leaving to come up here and they're taking the buses aren't going to be allowed allowed back into their own property for up to three days after the storm. Now, I think that that is like the height of ridiculousness because it's not their job to tell me when I can go back to my property either. This is my property. I just paid property tax. I know just how much, you know, if you don't pay your property tax, it's not really your property because they'll come take it away. Another thing they don't do in Alaska. But, I, you know, we, we have this, this sense that government controls all, does all, is all and can tell us what to do at any step of the way. And they believe that they're safe in that assumption, that they are the be-all, end-all of authority, that they they ultimate power rests in their decision-making. You know, if we don't declare a state of emergency, people won't leave. People, the smart people left before you declare a state of emergency, okay? And if we declare a state of emergency, everyone will leave. There are people who aren't going to leave because they're prepared and they don't care. And it's not your job to tell people how to live. Governor Deal, it is not your job to tell people how to live. It is not the job of Sam Olins to tell me if I'm right or wrong in how I live. And this is the, the, the fundamental issue that we are running into today with our government and our citizenry. Citizenry believe that the government is run by, by cronyism, that the government is run by career politicians who don't understand the way normal people live. And my goodness, you know, we, we've talked about Donald Trump until I'm blue in the face, but Donald Trump, the, the disconnected billionaire 
who's never had to scrape for anything in his life, has more in common with the blue-collar worker than President Obama or Jeb Bush, and they feel that. What a topsy-turvy, bizarro world we live in when a disconnected billionaire has so much more in common with blue-collar workers than their elected officials. This is just, this is insane, folks. But it's being played out. It's being played out right here in Georgia, and especially over in South Carolina. So, the, what was the first U.S. Hurricane Matthew death? What was the first death that occurred in on U.S. soil directly related to Hurricane Matthew. Well, let me tell you, it was in South Carolina. Yeah. And it happened before the storm even had left Haiti and and Cuba. What happened? There was a mandatory evacuation in South Carolina. I believe this was Thursday. And in this mandatory evacuation, the road was backed up, blocked up. So many people trying to flee from Charleston. I mean, these people live through Hugo. They understand what a a major hurricane is and one that's heading straight for them, and they were ready to leave. And so the roads become jam-packed, and what happens? Are you expecting me to tell you about a bad accident? Are you expecting me to tell you about some freak thing that happened? Well, the police decided to set up a roadblock. Since the traffic is sitting, why not go car to car and check for warrant status? I've sat through one of these myself. You know, you get pulled over for a headlight. They want the the driver's license of everyone in the vehicle because they're going to check for warrants. This is ridiculous. This is evil. But they start going down the, the line of people who are just trying to get out of harm's way, right? And lo and behold, one of them, I don't know, but probably had a warrant outstanding. And when he saw the cops coming car to car, he decided to jump the line and get away from them. Next thing you know, you've got a pursuit going down the shoulder of the interstate as this guy is trying to get away from the cops. And while he was trying to get away from the storm, they would have had no interaction with him except that he was trying to leave the storm. And that's why they were doing it. They were doing it because they figured that everybody was going to be leaving. And this was a chance to be able to talk to everybody in the entire city as they fled to get away from the storm. This guy ran. He ended up pulling a gun on cops, they say. We don't have any dash cam video or proof of that, but they say that he pulled a gun on the cops and they returned fire. No officers were injured, but he was killed. So that was the first death directly related to Hurricane Matthew because the police wanted to run warrants on people who were fleeing for their lives, and this this sparked this interaction. Now, what were the... And you know, this is what I told my kids, what were they going to do? Arrest him and put him back in the jail where he just was trying to flee from? My eight-year-old says, well, I hope they're high enough up that the water doesn't kill everybody in the jail. I mean, is why, why even bother? There's going to come a point when there's real tragedies. I mean, not, I mean, this, this is a, a real tragedy that this hurricane is hitting, but there's going to come a point where there's something bigger that happens. There's going to be another 9-11. There's going to be something else. There's going to be a, a pandemic there. I mean, stuff happens, right? And when that happens, are the police going to be going door to door, arresting people and locking them up? Have you ever seen Stephen King's The Stand? Remember when they locked up Gary Sinise and he had to break out of the place because everyone else was dead? Uh, there was somebody else who was in prison in that movie. Um, he's the head head guy, second to head guy on in the team Las Vegas. He got locked up too. Uh, I mean, 
I don't know. I don't think that when people are, are running from a natural disaster or fleeing for their lives that we should really be trying to execute warrants on them and, and lock them up when they're just trying to, to get out of harm's way. Maybe maybe everyone else on Earth disagrees with me and thinks that this is like the primo opportune time to snatch up all the evildoers and, and lock them up in a prison that's going to flood. But I, I think that there's a point where we're all the same and that point is during a disaster and you know i i see some things on the internet people talking about oh you know the looters are going to come if you want me to come with my rifle and protect your store or whatever yeah yeah i get it people show their worst during a, a natural disaster but it's just overreach and government overstepping and Good night, folks. I mean, seriously, good night. Why in the the face of a natural disaster can't we just come together and support each other and do right by each other and not try to use this as a power grab? Who runs freaking TV spots on the Weather Channel? Who buys up TV spots to, to promote their business during the natural disaster? What kind of sick and twisted person would buy up TV spots on the Weather Channel during Hurricane Matthew in order to push her candidacy? Oh, did I give it away there? You know, there's there's so much in-dealing and bias and just lack of decency. We don't have any decency anymore as a culture. People don't know what is decent. They don't have any boundaries where they understand that they've crossed a line and being crude or rude or, or nasty. And I don't know what to tell you other than that it's time for us to really start to educate our children and act like human beings instead of acting like, like animals. And that's, that's just the way of it. There, there is a whole bunch of, of people who just don't have any sense of morality, decency, common sense, and I'm afraid so many of them operate in inside the government and think that it's okay as long as you get ahead or can win, and that's not. Winning isn't everything, and it's it's just okay. We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back. We're going to finish up our track on some of the issues from the storm and carry issues, and of course, talk about how to become a GeorgiaCarry.org member. So, we will return in just a moment. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So when we took the break, I was bashing pretty much every office in government I could think of off the top of my head. The government has good functions, and some of them are primarily to protect our rights and to help us when, when things are beyond our control. A hurricane is beyond our control. It's not the government's responsibility to save us. We should protect ourselves, but they should provide some, you know, infrastructure. They should be able to divert some resources to help getting the electricity back on and to doing storm recovery and damage. And that's all perfectly well and good. I think that some of it can, is done by private sector. You see the, the, the power company, you know, swing into action and there are people who are going to be going down there. They're talking about in Florida, the winds have to die down to 30 miles an hour before they can safely restore electricity. You know, things like that happen. And we can pull together and work together and, and 
provide hotel space here in Atlanta for the people who are displaced, that we can give you know up-to-date information on the, the damage assessment, what areas are impassable, what roads are impassable. But in the end, when you go back home should be your decision. Whether you leave should be your decision, and the government really shouldn't be ordering us what to do or how to do it. And I'm, I'm so sick of that. I'm so sick of them saying you can't carry your gun here. You can't. You should shouldn't leave it in your car. You can't have it here. You should leave it at home. You shouldn't. You shouldn't even have a gun because it could get stolen in your home. I'm so sick of that. I'm so sick of you have to go here. You can't go there. You have to be this. You're going to live in the Metrodome or the Superdome or whatever dome they've got now. I'm not. I'm just not, folks. I'm not doing it. You know, my home is my castle. I'm staying where put where I am. If I decide to leave, and I have, I mean, there have been some some snowstorms and ice storms where I knew we were going to lose power, and this was before when I was in an apartment in Atlanta. I, I all the the water pressure was electrical, the heat was electrical, the power electrical, and I thought I'm not going to do this with kids. And so when I saw the storm was going to hit, I threw them in the car and drove to Val to Valdosta for two days and came back after. And lo and behold, guess what? The power had been out and the place was icy and the kids would have been miserable. And instead I evacuated. Cool. My choice. And if there was a hurricane coming, I would evacuate. And if I lived on the coast, I would probably look for owning a home further inland, maybe in the mountains where we don't have hurricanes, which, my goodness, that's kind of what I did. I'm hashing that. But for the people who are displaced and the people who are going through this, my heart goes out to you. I hope that you get home quickly. I hope that there is minimal damage. I hope that the insurance companies don't give you too much of a hassle. If they do, call me. I'll fight them. You know, I, I said earlier in the show that this has been a really busy week for my my law practice, and that's not not a joke. I mean, we've had several hearings this week that all the the the, the opposing parties ran from. Uh, I've got some civil stuff coming up that I'm excited about, which no one on the other side seems to be. Nobody likes to go to court anymore. It's it's really a shame because that's why we went to law school. I thought was to go to court, not to just sit back and bill people. But whatever, you know, we we do what we do, and the we're 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 into October now. We've got what like three weeks to the election. Expect everyone to go insane when the election happens. <coughs> if I were you, I'd go buy an AR-15 today. Maybe a case of ammo. But the election's coming up. Following the election, we're going to be rolling into the Georgia General Assembly. You know, what Will Rogers said, no man is safe while Congress is in session. And here we go. The, another year of the General Assembly. we got to hold their feet to the fire. Maybe we can make some advances this year towards constitutional carry or even a, a bill that when a state of emergency is declared that the carry permit requirements are rescinded. I think that's a brilliant idea. So <clears throat> tying more freedom to declaring a state of emergency instead of less all sorts of wonderful things we can get done, but we're not going to get them done alone, and we're not going to get them done without support. And when I say support, I'm not really meaning monetary support because 20 bucks a year, folks, is not really going to sway the legislature or, or unleash battalions of lobbyists. What we need is people who are willing to call. We need people who are willing to show up. If you're willing to call and you're willing to show up, you need to be a GeorgiaCarry.org member. If you're listening to this show, you need to be a GeorgiaCarry.org member. So... 
go to www.georgiacarry.org, all spelled out, G-E-O-R-I-G-A dot G-E-O-R-I-G-A-C-A-R-R-Y dot O-R-G. And then for $20 a year, you can click on Join Now, give us your email address, and you'll start to get legislative updates. You're not going to get a whole bunch of requests for money or how the the world needs you to donate or the world's going to end if you don't give us money. You're going to get legislative updates. And right now it's pretty quiet, but come January 1st, it's going to start to get real busy. And we need to be on the legislature and holding them accountable and getting stuff done this year because we've got a brand new two-year term of the legislature. This is the important time to get stuff moving so it can go between both houses and get signed by let's make a deal. And that's just the way that we need to push and we need to push going into because in two years from now we're going to be electing a new governor of course they do it when the presidential races are off because georgia doesn't like people to actually vote and everything is set up here to keep you from voting but we need you to vote we need you to be involved we need you to be active we need to get stuff done and that's the way we're going to do it is by you being a member you can also be a lifetime member. It's $500 for a lifetime, which is a pretty good deal if you support everything that GeorgiaCarry.org is doing. There are other ways to become a member. You go to a gun show. You go to uh, uh, the Atlanta Pride Festival is today. I believe there's a GeorgiaCarry.org booth down there where you can sign up and become a member today. And if anybody needs to carry a gun, it is the, the gay and lesbian community because there are a lot of people out there who just hate those people's guts for no apparent reason. And I am very laissez-faire. It is not for me, and that's fine. And they can do what they want to do as long as they don't try to make me do anything. I don't care. Try to make me do something, and you're going to find out why I carry a gun. That's just that's just the way of it. And I don't care who you are when you're trying to make me do something. Convince me to do something. Um, and uh, show me by example why I should do something. That's awesome. Try to make me do something and you're impeding my rights as a free human being, and that's just not going to fly with this this guy. So festivals, fairs, lots of places you can join up, including local chapter meetings, which pop up every so often here in the metro area and across the state. There are local chapters. You can go to georgiacarry.org's website and find out when the closest one to you is and, and um, when it will be meeting. It's a good time to meet other people who are like-minded, and you can have some good food and maybe go shooting and hear a good speaker who talks on an interesting topic. Our board members tend to appear at these things, so you can talk to a board member and see what's going on and what's happening. Maybe even have the misfortune of running into Jerry Henry and getting some old horse stories out of him. You know, there's there's a lot of people who invest a lot of time and energy into not just this show, but the organization in, in its entirety. And we pop up to these chapter meetings and get to, to hobnob with you and, and see what you think and what you'd like to do and what's important to you. And that's all great. I mean, that is just a way of keeping everyone grounded and balanced and, and in touch with all of the membership. So please do go to a local chapter meeting, have some fun, kick back with the girls and with the guys there and open carry and, and have a good time because this is a way that we can start to revitalize the gun culture and reconnect with each other and make friends. And that's, that's more important than anything. Our friends, our relatives, our relationships, you know, your, your boyfriend or girlfriend or your wife or husband or your uncles or your kids, these are the people that, that have the most deep-rooted connections with you. And you, expanding into the gun culture and, and making friends who are like-minded and getting your family involved in shooting sports, you know, I, I reach out to people, and that's the way that I like to connect is I like to go shooting with them. 
I like to go take them to a bowling pin match, especially one that's well run and and not raked by by pompous, ignominious. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I like to to get people involved in the shooting sports and where they can really partake and and explore. And there are shooting sports that don't involve a heck of a lot of skill. Let's be honest. I mean, cowboy action shooting it, it's expensive because of the guns, but the targets are like two feet away if, if you've got a six inch revolver you can practically just knock them over without pulling the trigger uh bowling pin matches if you have any modicum of skill you're at like 10 feet you should be able to hit a bowling pin at 10 feet and some of the matches are, are so rigged up that even you can shoot with a 22 and still compete so i mean it's not like you have to have a hand cannon to knock them off the table like in the good old days there's there's a lot of of angles where people who are just getting started clock matches because you shoot the exact same match every single time. The stages never change. It's downright monotonous. But, you know, for a beginner, it's also comforting. There's there's a lot of things that you can do, even if you're not, like, the world's greatest shot to get into shooting sports and bring somebody with you, even someone young. A lot of clubs will let you start shooting at 8. Trust me, I know. So, folks, we're at the weekend. I hope that the hurricane doesn't affect you. If you're listening to this and you're a refugee, you're listening for the first time, join GeorgiaCarry.org. We're fighting for your rights to be able to return home and be able to defend yourself if you decide to stay next time. If you're here on business and you've been smashed between Pride Weekend and and the refugee status, um, our condolences. (laughs) Welcome to Atlanta and the South. Maybe uh, swing in Mary Max Tea Room and, and have a, a little treat to, to s- soothe your conscience while you're here. But um, we will be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.